30th, 2022. Why are you laughing, Susie? <laughs> Good morning. It's too early. It's way too early. You know, huh. don't they have a show called Way Too Early with uh, yeah. Willie? No, it used to be. No, oh, Willie doesn't do that. That's on who, MSNBC. Oh, who does Way Too Early? Truthfully, I don't know. There's a show called Way Too Early. This is way too early, Susie. But today is the 30th of June. Oh, you the know last I... day of June. And it's also a great day. Susie has a lot of work to do today. Everybody, she's going to be on at 2 o'clock Eastern doing a live great webinar. With Alliant Credit yeah, Union with and Dennis, Dennis the, the president, CEO. president and CEO. He's great. And the two of them are really, really fun together. Right. Very informative. So if you haven't registered yet... Just go to myalliant.com slash webinar, and you can register for free. Free, 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 KT, free. we always start talking before we even welcome people. Oh, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the KT and Susie <laughs> podcast. Ask anything. Oh, ask anything. Ask us anything. You can ask us just about About anything. anything. Don't ask her about fishing. It'll take like hours. Wait, but before <laughs> we begin, I do have to say, you know, on the Women and Money app, and if all of you are not participating with the Women and Money app, which you simply download for free at Google Play or Apple Apps, right? I just posted KT's final garden that's finished now and her planting. And she was showing everybody everything that's in it. And she happened to mention that she has mint, mint, a little, little bit of mint growing. Right. And on the app, the app exploded with comments. Everyone saying, KT, don't put mint in your garden. It's going to go crazy and wild. Actually, only two people said so that. So I'm going to take it out. I'm going to take it out two people. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the point. When somebody says something, we, we do it. listen sometimes. All right, KT. So Susie, I'm going to start to, we have a lot of questions, a lot. And there, some of them are like fast fire questions. So hopefully so you want to do a rapid fire today. I'd like to do a rapid fire. If you can, I can, but I don't know about you. But the first one I'm starting with is not a question. It's actually fan mail. I'm going to start my podcast on Thursday now with oh, fan all of mail. a sudden it's your podcast. It's KT because it starts <laughs> with this. This is from Gail, everyone, and she starts with love KT. Oh, and love Susie too. <laughs> That's why you chose it, you little whippersnapper. <laughs> and then you. she said, "I don't have a question. Just a big thanks to both of you, Susie. Your kindness and caring is greatly appreciated. These are wild times." Hearing your perspective helps keep me calm. Thank you for all the education. I've listened to some of your Susie schools multiple times. And KT, you're such a good sport. <laughs> I root for you on every quiz. Thanks again and keep it going, you too. So that's my that's my first one. What made you choose that one? Because it's fan mail, and I like it. And I KT, like... we get lots of fan mail. Well, that one said I was a good sport. I knew it. Okay. <laughs> All right, wait, ready? Here comes the next question from Linda. All right, now let's do rapid fire. If we can. Ready? All right. This is from Linda. Hi, Susie and KT. Can you tell me what are your thoughts about a 30-year fixed loan 
versus 30-year with a seven-year arm. Mm. So obviously, Linda, you are thinking about purchasing a home, and interest rates are too high if you were to get a straight 30-year fixed rate mortgage. So many people now are looking for adjustable rate mortgages where the interest rate would be fixed for seven years. It's still amortized over 30 years, but your interest rate would be fixed for seven years and then it just sees what happens at that point in time where interest rates happen to be. Personally, I think interest rates might be lower again in seven years, but you never know. Are you going to be living in that home for longer than seven years? If not, you plan to sell in four, five, or six years. Those are great. I am not a fan of adjustable rate mortgages. I'm just not. Because you never know what the future can bring. So I'm somebody who does the known versus the unknown. Next, KT. Okay, this is from Gaynell. Occasionally, I have extra money to put down on the principal of my mortgage. It's typically $800 a month. I've been told by friends it's better for me to pay $400 twice a month rather than $800 just once. Any truth to this? What do you think of that? I, I don't know. I think maybe there is truth to it if it counts as, as payments. Well, of course payment. it counts no, as payments. No, but I mean, you know how, I don't know. What there we go. Okay. She doesn't know, okay. but ding, ding, ding for not knowing. But you were right. Yeah. Right. And the reason is, if you send in $800 a month, that's 12 months of payments. If you break it up into two payments a month, you actually get extra payments in there. Believe it or not, you'll do more than the 12, 800 payments. So you're better off doing it that way, believe it or not. All it will right. cut some years off your mortgage. Great. Next one is from Raja. Hello, Susie. I'm a great admirer of yours and have listened to your advice for the last 25 years. That ages me so So bad. wait, but this question, <laughs> if he's been listening for 25 years, I don't know why this question's coming up. Will closing bank account savings and checking accounts hurt my credit score. No. I have quite a few of them. I no, open them. No, no, okay. no, Raja. Easy answer. All Next, right. KT, we're going to get through okay. all these. This is from Julie. Hi, Susie. I'm 64. My student loan is in forbearance since the pandemic. I want to retire. I'm concerned that the money I still owe on my government student loan will be taken off my social security. Do you know if that's something that may happen? Not only may it happen, it mo probably most really will happen. Mm. So you have to deal with that. A student loan is not something that you can just ignore because they're hoping that you ignore it because it is growing and growing and growing with interest. So as soon as it gets to an amount that's big enough, 20,000 goes to 40, goes to 80, goes to 160, whatever it is, that's when they come after you. So you be need, careful. You need to do a Susie school on loans, on paying for college, on 529s, all of that. You keep telling me no, that. No, she needs to do that, everybody. I have to do different ones first. Go okay. on. Okay. So this is from Dee Dee. Are you still offering your book for $10? What do you think? Am I? <laughs> yeah, baby. If so, how can I order it? Love your podcast. Just discovered it. Okay, Dee Dee, get ready. Write this down, yeah, everyone. Just go to Susie, S-U-Z-E, by the way, susieorman.com slash ultimate. 
And the reason it's ultimate is the name of the book is the ultimate retirement guide for 50 plus. That $10, it's for a hardback edition. It includes shipping. And it's just our way of saying, if you want this book, we can give it to you really at almost cost. No, it's our way of saying you will all need this book, whether you're 50 plus or not. Yes. So but, just take advantage but and I get it. I always like to give you things or let you have ways to buy things far cheaper than wh- whatever it is on Amazon, which I think it's $17 or so. Go on. Okay. This is from Gina. Susie, if I do not have any capital gains this year, can I apply capital loss from the sale of a stock? to offset taxes from a Roth conversion. Oh, very smart. What do you think? Mm, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So Gina, the answer to that question is no, you cannot. When you have a capital loss, meaning you bought a stock, you sold a stock, and you have a loss on it, you can only offset that with other either capital gains or carry forward $3,000 a year at most that you can then offset through income, but you cannot use it to offset the taxes that you are going to owe when you convert a traditional IRA to a Roth, which you will owe ordinary income taxes on it. You cannot do that. All right. Okay. Next question is from Tino. I love that name. You love all I love that name, Tino. All right. Ready? Here you go, Susie. Can I buy $200 worth of an I-bond? That's so sweet. Can I answer? Yeah. Sure you can, Tino. Why don't you buy two? (laughs) No. No, KT. Let's see how much you know. Yeah. Here's a spontaneous Susie quizzy. Tell me the amounts of I-bonds, which stands for inflation bonds, series I-bonds, that you buy at treasurydirect.gov. What's the smallest amount you can buy? I think a hundred, and the greatest is ten thousand. The smallest is twenty five dollars. Oh, <laughs> ouch! But the highest is ten thousand. Ten thousand a year, a year per person, mm-hmm. unless you have a trust and or a business. Then each one of those can buy ten thousand as mm. well. Which is why you and I both have thirty thousand dollars each. And if you happen to get a tax refund you can buy an additional $5,000 of paper series I-bonds. So just so you know, check it out, everybody, at treasurydirect.gov and listen to the April 17th podcast where I give a masterclass on series I-bonds. Okay, next question is from Patty. Hi, Susie. What do you think about a three-year fixed rate annuity for 3%? no fees, and the interest can be taken monthly. It would be with my money that is in an IRA account. I hate that idea. Wait, sounds like a sale. uh, No, I hate that idea. Because here's the thing. I don't know how old you are. But why would you ever buy a tax deferred investment, which is what an annuity is within a tax free or a tax deferred vehicles such as a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. 3% fixed for three years is not that big of a deal, truthfully. If you want to do it, okay. But I just, I don't, I'd rather see you do other things than that. Okay. This is from Carol, Susie. I recently rolled over my retirement to a variable annuity account, but heard (sighs) on your PBS show, it's not the best way to invest. 
Please advise how to invest this sum of money and the best investment to pursue. Problem is that, Carol, you already rolled over your retirement to a variable annuity. So it's probably too late because I'm sure that variable annuity, and for those of you who don't know, a variable annuity is a contract with an insurance company and they invest your money into mutual funds. So the only difference is if you did it outside of a retirement account, it's tax deferred to all of you so that you don't pay taxes on it until you take the money out, but you pay taxes as ordinary income. Once again, annuities should not be in retirement accounts unless you're doing some special deal with them. And so I don't know if there's anything you can do right now with that, because I bet that there is a surrender charge that if you came out of that variable annuity right now, they would probably charge you a 5 or 7% surrender charge. If that's not true, come on out. And then within your IRA, you know, invest the money that way. But people, please don't buy variable annuities, period, especially inside a retirement account. Okay, next questions from Dina. You mentioned to max out my Roth IRA first if my 401k Roth doesn't match. What's the reason, Susie? What's the reason, Katie? What's the reason, Susie? What's the reason, Katie? Go for it. Tell everybody why. Sing a song for me. No. Come on. No, I, everyone didn't. They didn't like my singing, did they? They liked they your did. singing summertime, right? They liked it. Okay, ready? Yeah. It's a beautiful morning. Uh-huh. That's what we sing to each other in the morning when we wake up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, answer that question, Susie. I already forgot what it was. No, I didn't. I'm joking with you. Because a Roth IRA, a contributory Roth IRA, where you can put in six or $7,000 a year, depending on age, you can withdraw any amount of money that you originally put in without taxes or penalties, regardless of how long that money has been in there. So a Roth IRA gives you a tremendous way to get your money back if you happen to need it, number one. Number two, you also have a variety of investment options with a Roth IRA if you open one up at a discount brokerage firm versus a Roth 401k plan, you cannot take your money out anytime you want, and you're limited to the investment choices that are within your 401k plan. That's why. So this next question is from Kat. Hello, Susie and KT. I've heard you say several times that you should only work to pay off your house if you're sure it's going to be your forever home. Yeah. Why? It's, well, the reason that normally that's true, and everybody, you should all remember that there's always exceptions to everything that I'm saying, depending on your individual situation. So Kat, the reason is this, your home is going to go up in value, whether you've paid off the mortgage or you have not. The reason to pay off the mortgage is that if you are going to be retiring and still living in that house and you've paid it off by the time you retire, then your largest monthly expense has gone away. Mm -hmm. It's not there. So you don't need as much money in retirement accounts to generate income to pay a mortgage that you have already paid off. 
That's the reason that I want you, if you're going to keep the house, to have your home paid off by the time you retire. Plus, you feel great. You feel great about it. (laughs) If you're not going to keep that house, depending on the interest that you are paying on your mortgage. So especially if it's a low interest rate, you got in when interest rates were two and a half or 3%. Maybe that money is better used to do what? Dollar cost average into the markets, to to pay down your other debts, to pay down whatever else may be, to build up an emergency fund for yourself. So usually it's better if you're not going to keep a house to not pay off the mortgage unless you have so much money, you've done everything else, you don't know what else to do with it, and then you pay it off. But normally it's not as advisable as if you're going to keep it forever. Okay, next is from Christine. How Christ- am I doing with my answers? Pretty good, but we still have a big stack here. Christine asks this question. Susie, I've been working hard to close credit card accounts, especially store cards. Shamefully, I had too many. They have small balances, but I think I closed at least five or six in the last two weeks. However, now I received an email from my credit company that said it may be a mistake and gave a couple reasons. This is opposite of what you say, Susie. Can you please clarify? Actually, it is not opposite of what I say, my dear Christine. If you've listened closely over my entire career, actually, I've always said that 30% of your FICO score, your credit score, and 30% is a lot that counts towards your total score, is made up of your debt, what you owe, to your credit limit ratio. If you close down credit cards that have a credit limit on it, then you're also closing down your credit limit. When you close down your credit limit, if you owe money on a credit card, then your debt to credit limit ratio goes up and you never want it to be above 30%. So you would never close down credit cards that have a credit limit on it that don't have any annual fee. You wouldn't close them down. You would just cut them up and not use them. I personally do not like store credit cards at all for many reasons. They count very differently than regular credit cards because of the high interest rates. So I do not have a problem at all if you close down store credit cards, but regular credit cards, if you don't pay a fee on it, I would not be closing them down. Okay, Susie, this is from Ann. Hi, Susie. I'm moving money from a rollover annuity at 1% to a rollover IRA where I can invest in mutual funds. I want a dollar cost average. Can I move chunks of money at a time or do I have to move it all at once? You have to move it all at once. And the reason is if it is going from a IRA to an IRA, the same IRA to the same IRA that you're transferring to, you're only allowed to do that once a year. Mm, you I can't, didn't know that. Yeah, it's only once a year that you can do that. So just do it all at once. I didn't know that. That's good advice. Okay, next question is from Sharon. Hi, Susie and KT. Happy birth month, Susie. It's almost over. This is the last day of your But it's almost KT's birth month. Okay, ready? I live in Florida and I own a home titled in a ladybird deed. What's that? I'll tell you. All right. 
with my two children as remainders. Yeah. Never heard of that either. All my accounts have been beneficiaries listed and I have a will. Do you think I still need a trust? Yes. What the heck is a ladybird? Yeah, a ladybird is a very simple way, truthfully, to avoid probate. Especially, they're also known as life estates, KT, mm. where if you die, let's say we owned this house in a ladybird trust. If I died, but I didn't want you to inherit this house. Mm-hmm. I wanted Sophia, our niece, or mm-hmm. Alexis, our niece, mm-hmm. or both of them to inherit this house. But I wanted you to be able to live in this house for as long as you wanted to. But upon your death, they they, they it. got it anyway. Right. So most people use Ladybird Trust to do that. They're far less expensive than most living revocable trusts, unless you do our must-have documents, which are less expensive than a ladybird trust. But the answer to that question is this. You have a living revocable trust not because you just want to avoid probate. You also have a living revocable trust that has an incapacity clause in it, so that in case you are incapacitated, you get sick, Then you've named somebody as successor trustee to pay your bills, to disperse money, to take care of you. A ladybird trust will not do that Mm. because it only goes into effect. A will only goes into effect if you have died. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you have a power of attorney for finances, but most power of attorneys for finances become null and void in case there is an incapacity. So it's really, really important that you do have a living revocable trust. Now, if you stay the way that you are, okay, is it the most horrific thing that you've ever done? No, it works. It only works in four or five states, by the way. It doesn't work, KT, in all the state. So she's probably from Florida or a state like that. Yeah, she's from Florida. Yeah. So I have let, let me keep going here, Susie, because these are all must have document questions. All right. And at the end, let's tell everyone where to get them, the must have documents yeah. that we, we have, which is a great program. Okay. Hello, Susie. I have a living trust drawn by an attorney years ago, and I would like to make some changes. Can I use your must have document trust program to make those changes? Or do I have to create a new trust? Yeah, if you're going from a trust that's already been drawn up for you and probably cost you $2,500 or $3,000 to do, and now you want to make changes, normally you go back to the attorney that drew them up, pay him or her $500 or another $1,000, and there you go. With the must-have documents, you would actually start all over, but you would keep the name of the trust that it was originally assigned when you did it with your attorney. But it's so simple. The must-have documents are so simple. And they're not just a living revocable trust. They're also a will, an advanced directive and durable power of attorney for health care, and a financial power of attorney. So you can do all of them at once, update everything for far less than one call to your attorney will be. And then from that point on, Every time you update something or when we update something, you get to do it for free. Yeah, it's free. You also get to share it with Uh, your family members. Let me keep going. I have so many about trust. So this is from Sean. 
Susie, I have a living revocable trust. Will my trustee still have to go through probate after I pass? No, Sean, the reason that you do a living revocable trust is to to make sure that that your beneficiaries get to have everything without going through probate, which is a lengthy court, court procedure that in many states costs thousands and thousands of dollars and that could take a year, two, or three to settle. The trustee, or actually the successor trustee who takes over after you have died, is the person who makes sure that all of your beneficiaries get the money or the assets that you want them to get. Mm -hmm. So just know there's a difference between the trustee and a beneficiary. And then this last one is from Harish. Hi, KT and Susie. I love the What is this that everybody is saying KT first? Because this is the KT and Susie ask. This is the KT who asks Susie everything (laughs) podcast. Hi, KT and Susie. Love the podcast and I listen to it all the time. I have a question about living revocable trust. Once you fund the trust, how do I file taxes on these accounts? Is it filed under the trust or my social security number? Please advise. Yeah, that's the great thing about when you create a living revocable trust. It doesn't change anything in your life at all, except it makes your life a whole lot easier in case of an incapacity, an illness, or on death. You file your taxes just like you've always done. Does it increase your property taxes on your home? It does not. It does nothing except make your life easier. So Harish, you do not have to worry on any level of making your life complicated with a living revocable trust. And just one more, Susie, only because we really need to tell people the difference if they keep asking, but listen to this. This is from Franco. Which trust should I get, a revocable or irrevocable? Yeah, I don't know why there's such confusion, KT, about this. I do. I can tell you why. Why? I think a lot of people go to lawyers, and the lawyers often set up irrevocable trust. Why would a lawyer do that? I don't know. You tell them the difference. Yeah, no, I don't. I'm not exactly sure, KT, that that's why. Because truthfully, most lawyers, they don't want to set up a trust at all because they want to take the estate through probate because they make make far more money money going through probate than they do one or $2,000 to set up a trust. But the difference is very simple. Think of the name revocable versus irrevocable. When something is revocable, you can change your mind. When something is irrevocable, you cannot change it on any level. The only reason you would do an irrevocable trust would be if you wanted an asset protection trust because you wanted everything out of your name and into the name of the trust in case you were sued. But most people do it, truthfully, KT, because they have so much money. They have over the $12 million that you can now leave to somebody estate tax-free. They want that money out of their estate into the irrevocable trust so it's not included anymore in their taxable estate. And it grows in the irrevocable trust. And upon the death, then it goes to their beneficiaries, all estate tax-free for that amount of money versus staying in your estate. 
Now, the reason that you and I, oh, KT's giving me this look like. Yeah, we, we have ha- a living revocable and trust. And the reason we, we change it every month. No, that's not besides <laughs> the fact that that's true. The majority of our money is going to charity. Okay. Oh, So okay. when it goes to charity, there are no estate taxes for the charities that are going to get it. We're obviously leaving the estate tax limits from both of us to beneficiary family, family members and everything. But after that amount, sorry, Charlie. So if <laughs> any of our relatives are listening, you ain't getting that much money. I'm telling you right now, you're going to have to work for it. We're doing <laughs> what? We're leaving it to charities. One of our favorite charities is what, Katie? Oh, Marlo. Yeah, St. Jude. St. Jude. Marlo Thomas, we love you. We love St. Jude. My daddy loves St. Jude. That was his charity. Yeah. And he had no money. He would always send his little check every year. Yeah, it's one of our very, very favorite charities. Now, KT, before I even do your quizzy, I don't know what she's going to ask. Can you me believe today. I went through all of those questions? Did we, did, how are we do on time? We're doing good. Okay, go for it. She did a lot. We did a lot. We did pretty good, yeah. right? Yeah. All right. What's my quizzy? But but few. I want to say something here, because you know, at the end of this podcast, you'll be able to listen to everything you need to know about the Ultimate Opportunity Savings Account. Mm -hmm. But I even want to stress more and more and more that the Ultimate Opportunity Savings Account with Alliant Credit Union is a must-have for all of you. And at the end of this podcast, you'll hear exactly how it works. But if you're starting out with small amounts of money, all you have is maybe $100 a month that you can put away and save And if you were to do that every single month, that at the end of those 12 months, if you open up an account by going to myalliant.com, that's M-Y-A-L-L-I-A-N-T.com, you open up account, you become a member that won't cost you anything with the Alliant Credit Union. Mm -hmm. You put in $100 a month starting that first month. You do it every single month for 12 consecutive months. And you have $1,200 at the end of those 12 months. Alliance is going to give you $100 besides the fact that currently you're making 1%. And don't be surprised if that yeah, interest rate go goes up. up shortly here, um, maybe tomorrow or something like that. Yeah. They will go up it keeps as going interest up. rates go up. But do you know that you would need approximately $10,000 in a savings account today to make $100 of interest at 1%. So here you're going to make the 1% plus $100 for just $1,200 at the end of one year. So Check it out, everybody. Look for Susie. Yeah, look for, go to (laughs) myalliant.com and look for me. It's for new members only. If you already have an Alliant Credit Union account, sorry, you don't qualify for this. But we have so many great things coming up in the middle of this month, as well as hopefully a sweepstakes where we give away a nice sum of money. So play with us there. And and listen today. Remind them again. Today, today, today. And then you can see Dennis, the CEO and president of Alliant Credit Union yourself, and you'll see 
You can He's a great guy. tell when somebody's a great guy, a great woman, and you'll see that. All right, it is now quizzy, quizzy time. time for you, Miss Travis. And here's the thing. Everybody, I keep saying this is KT's quizzy, but it really is for all of you because it's really important that all of you start to be able to answer these questions on your own. So this is KT's time to see if she can do it or not. KT, just think about it before you answer so that everybody else can think about it before they answer. Okay, I'm focused. All right. Hi, KT and Susie. Love you, ladies. A fan since Can I Afford It? Your wonderful advice has helped me out over the years. My employer allows rollovers of a percentage of my 401k. I can roll over $103,000. I'm 57. Should I roll over into a Roth IRA so I'll have more? investment options. So again, KT, Brenda, who this is from, is still working at her place of an employment. She has a 401k that she contributes to that's obviously a traditional 401k, a pre-tax one, because she did not say that it was a Roth 401k, which would be after tax. Her company is allowing a partial rollover, which many companies do before she retires, of the amount of $103,000 into a rollover, which is she wants to put it into a Roth IRA. And she's 57? She's 57. Should she or shouldn't she? I think she should. Why? Because it's a Roth IRA, and if she needs that money, she can get at it. <laughs> I mean, if I could give you a quadruple, uh, 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 I Wait, would. Why would shouldn't she do it now? She's she's still going to be working for a long time. Because my love. <laughs> <laughs> KT's, you're such a good sport when she goes, eh. So wait, wait a minute. She's 57. If she's right. going to be working, KT, why wouldn't she could do KT, it? KT, listen to me. She is converting money or rolling over money from a traditional 401k to a Roth IRA. When she does so, she is going to pay ordinary income tax on $103,000 at the same time she has income coming in so she's probably already in a pretty high tax bracket. So she's going to have to pay ordinary income tax on that money. That makes no sense at all. If she just waited till she no longer was working, did not have income coming in, maybe then she could roll over some of it to a Roth because then she wouldn't have to pay so much taxes, but you would never convert or roll over a six-figure amount of money into a Roth, because that immediately puts you into a really high tax bracket. Can she do it after she stops working? That's what I was just saying, but however, can, but, can but she, not 103000 Oh, see, the, the employer allowed 
a certain amount, right? Well, the employer allowed probably 50% of the money that she may oh, have in the account. All right. But the real point is what you could do, Brenda, is you could do an IRA rollover to a traditional IRA. And then once it's in the traditional IRA, you could still invest it and do all kinds of things in it there. But little by little, if you wanted to convert $10,000 at that point to a Roth IRA, you could. And little by little, you could do that. Mm-hmm. One other reason, and I just have to say this, we may go a little long on this, but it's okay. And But it's an important thing for everybody to know. There is a IRS rule. It's 72T to be exact, that says if you have money in a 401k, a 403b, a TSP, and you leave service, you leave your employer anytime that you have turned 55 or older, mm-hmm. you can take any money you want out of your retirement account that's with the employer without a 10% penalty. Hmm. So we're going into recession, possibly, as I've told you, I think probably. And you may, let's just say, be laid off or you decide you don't want to work anymore. Money that is in a 401k, if you leave service in the year that you turn 55 or older, any money in your 401k, 403b, TSP, you can withdraw without the 10% penalty, even though you are not 59 and a half years of age. That is a big deal, everybody. So don't go rolling over a whole lot of money if that is the case. Just something for you to know. You should do a Susie School on 72T. I just did one. Yeah, but I mean like another one on Sunday. KT, you want, you know, somebody wrote in and said to me, Susie, can you make your Susie schools like one hour every Sunday? Oh my goodness. And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't so. think so. I don't think so. Because I don't know if you could take an hour of me. All right, everybody. <laughs> you know what else today is, Katie? It's the last day of June. What else? Come on. Think hard. Okay, right after the Alliant webinar, we are rushing down to the airport to pick up Lynn. Lynn comes today. Lynn is, is my twin sister. Twin sister. Now, I just want all of you to image that I'm two going to us. have two KTs in this household for almost a week. Why don't we make? Why don't we put Lynn and I as little? guests, um, just short so they can hear us talk on Sunday's podcast. Oh, we can do that. Do you all want to listen to Lynn and I? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that, Susie. All right. So. All right. So listen to the Alliant webinar live, two o'clock today. You can watch it. They don't listen. They watch it. Watch Susie. Soon as we're done. I'll still have on my favorite black jacket that I paid $5 for. And as soon as we're done, we're going to rush down to the airport and pick up Lynn. All right, everybody. Have a great day. So until Sunday, what do we want to tell everybody? It's time to be safe, strong, and secure. secure. See you then, sweethearts. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.